1: theater and the visual arts this is the working artist project
2: good evening ladies and gentlemen welcome to the working artist project my name is gregory ajid and uh, we'd like to welcome the uh the wonderful and amazing and fantabulous darian douglas
0: yo greg what's up man i'm happy to be back and it's a beautiful day here in jersey city and uh, what's up, bro? It's good to
2: see you. you look a little stressed, man. Come, deep breaths, deep breaths. I th- you know <laughs> what it is? It's it's my 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 built-in FaceTime camera, man. It gives me rings under my eyes, and so. It's, uh, sorry, y'all see y'all see me from the wrong angle today. <laughs> well, you got a nice uh-oh. glow going, man. Well, you, got, you got like an auto focus hey, happening
0: bro. or something? Look, I got auto focus, lights, a purple background, dog. I'm, I'm
2: doing the thing over here, man. My, my, Killing my, my it. shit is together, man. My shit is together. Killing Listen. it, Darian. <laughs> but look. Man, inspiration <laughs> and uh, <laughs> keeping us motivated <laughs> to be our best selves
0: on and off That's camera. All day, every day. Look, man, it's a good. it's good to be back. It's good to be here. And today we got a real special guest, uh, the one and only Emmanuel Wilkins, who is, I mean, I think everybody out there, they know who he is. He, he's a saxophonist, um, an educator. I think he's a business mogul. He got a he got a brand new record out. It's been out for about a year now called Omega. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about uh, life and a bunch of stuff that we we'll probably talk about that Rona because like, man, this shit is getting
2: crazy out here again, right? Right. You know, just when you think it's over, you got a whole nother year. <laughs> over to come so oh, you know, I guess Don't get com- hey, ladies and gentlemen get comfortable where you are
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway y'all let's without further ado please welcome the one and only Emmanuel Wilkins to the Working Artist Project what up Emmanuel
3: Check that out. I, get I got applause and everything. That's wild. Wow. That's, that's right.
0: I got everything over I got here, Doc. Applause. That's killing. That's the vibe. Hey, you know, the, oh, the, the,
2: the, the applause always throws people. They're like, yo, they
0: wouldn't expect that. Yeah, that's it. the no. vibe. Yeah.
2: That's how Darren keeps I'll his win. rent low in New York. He's got like 100 people living in the closet. That's yeah, that's exactly. right.
3: Purely for applause. Just, yeah, <laughs> Solely man. for
0: applause. So what's been going on? I know you just moved. What what else is new here in New York? Doing that Rona man, what's going on with you?
3: Uh man, nothing. No gigs. Just <laughs> chilling. At- <laughs> um, it, no gigs. All vibes. Just vibes. You know. <laughs> no. Um. Uh. No. But but for real, like actually, just uh, it's it's been cool. Like I haven't really been working too much, but just enough where you know I'm I'm able to sustain sustain myself and um. And uh, get things going, but it's it's been cool to just hang out with people and have days free. You know, uh, August has been quite busy, but um, other than that, it's it's been pretty, it's been pretty chill, and I love it. I'm I'm happy with it, and I hope that this is actually a sign of things to come. I hope it stays like this.
0: You know, <laughs> man. No, I'm I'm right with you, and I know Greg can attest to this. Greg travels around the world with Michael Blue Blaze, so. We, I think all three of us are what you, you call road warriors. So
2: it's nice to sit our ass at home and just kind of
0: chill yeah. out, right? Yeah, bro. Yeah. Dude, I'm really yeah, hoping
2: you, that we're able to move forward in life and, and still create great art, be productive, <laughs> play with Killing Cats, and also have some time off.
3: <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah, exactly. exactly. Man, yeah.
0: I, I, I do, I am curious, like, to because you, you had a very successful album launch, you know, during the height of the pandemic, and I'm just curious like what what does that feel like to get so much critical acclaim for a record but not be able to tour it and, and woodshed it and work it out with the cats
3: um man i mean it's 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 definitely tough uh to do that uh um yeah, i guess uh when we were in the middle of everything that was going on, it was almost i was more thankful that I had something to do during the pandemic, um, especially during that time where we were like strictly locked down in the crib, you know, uh, it was, it was nice to have anything to do. So it wasn't even a thing of like the absence of touring as much as it was just like, look, I'm just happy. I can talk about something and, and promote something and, and still affect people during the, during this time without, uh, you know, being there in person. So for, for me, it was, it was a blessing. Was, I was I was cool with it. I was I was happy with it. Um but you know, then again, uh it's it's always it, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like you wanna you wanna tour your project and, and you wanna play with your band uh out. So um, you know, I, I definitely missed it a little, you know, a little bit. Um but yeah, I don't know. We had also been playing that music on, on that album, we had been playing it for a long time. So it didn't even feel like we needed to do that. <laughs> like, like part of me was kind of like, yeah, I mean, the, 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 rec- it, it actually kind of works maybe in reverse. It was like the record was kind of the final, <laughs> like the final landing point. And we had done all the gigs. you playing the music. We had done all the touring before that, even though we hadn't toured before, you know I mean? It was just like, we had, you know, we had kind of settled all of that. We had been playing that music for maybe four years at that point. So, um, you know, I get, I, I think really it was like, by the time the record came out, it was really the final product. It was like, "Look, we're good. <laughs> on to the next."
2: That's super, killing, man. I I would love to get into the music on the record because I know you know the music itself is a- absolutely incredible and you know speaks to a lot of the the social events that have been happening in our country and have like were brought to the surface over the quarantine. Um, but, I, man, as as in a you know as a young jazz musician and you know i'm sure all these young cats out there blue note records right so it's it's kind of like man this surreal legendary label and i was wondering if you could speak to what it means to be part of blue note and also maybe if you uh would give us some backstory as to how one uh, ends up on a label like blue note at such a young age yeah. too
3: um yeah i mean well yeah first yeah man it's i mean it's incredibly humbling to be uh a part of something i meant People uh, often have asked me about like uh, if I feel pressure to like produce, like, do I feel pressure to like put out good stuff or like, you know, what about the second album? Is it, you know, do you feel pressure for that or anything? I'm like, no, I don't feel any pressure for any of that. What I feel pressure about is um, thinking about like my, uh, you know, the, the folks who were on the label, the folks who have played this music, you know, since what, since the you know, 1910s, early 1900s, 1920s, uh, so on. And I'm just like, man, like, that's where, that's where the pressure comes in. The pressure comes in from like looking at the, the roster of note artists throughout the years and saying, look, man, like, okay, uh, I have to, I, I have to carry that weight. You know, I have to, you know, something that I'm, uh, standing on. So, um, it's an honor. And also I, I feel immense pressure, <laughs> you know, uh, from, uh, from the ancestors to, to create uh you know good stuff it's not necessarily pressure from myself or from current happenings it's it's pressure from uh, uh, looking at who, who did this and the, the amount of seriousness that they brought to to the music um but uh yeah I guess man, uh yeah how, how it happened um we had recorded I, I had gotten some outside funding um actually a generous uh, patron of, uh, mine, his name is Cliff Hubby, uh, he had, um, been coming to a lot of my gigs, uh, and he approached me one day, he was like, listen, man, like, I'm, I'm willing to just fully fund this, you know, uh, he wanted, he just wanted, wanted, wanted me to, to make it happen, and I was very gracious to him, and, um, we, yeah, I took his, I took him up on that offer, and we, we got in the studio pretty soon after that recorded it uh jason uh jason moran produced it and then jason went to uh don and uh, basically was like at, at bluno and was like look man it's a it's a good cat you should sign him um and jason had been kind of slowly putting in the work throughout uh my time knowing him um we had done a couple to- i had done a couple tours with jason and uh when we were in L.A., uh, he had hit up Don at Blue Note to, to come to the concert. So Don had heard me then. Um, and then once the record was recorded, it was uh, it was kind of like, yeah, you know, you remember that uh, that kid you saw. <laughs> you know, so uh, yeah, J- Jason Moran really hooked me up with that. He, he was the man. Also, Joel Ross. Uh, Joel Ross had already been signed. Uh, he got signed maybe a couple years before I I put out the album Uh, and also my buddy James Francis had been signed since he was in like high school or something. (laughs) Um, So there had been a lot of people in my corner, you know, and um, I think Don had heard me on other projects. Um, So it it was kind of, uh, it was familiar to him, My, my playing was familiar to him. so.
0: Yeah, yeah, man. We all we need those advocates. You know, it's it's real important. It's Straight all up. it's all about who you know, and what kind of person you are. And I and I've been mm-hmm. knowing you for for a little minute, and I know that you a cool dude, man. Thanks, so, G. and and you a bad mother. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, that, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do want to get back though, because you you spoke about the pressure, the pressure of the ancestors and stuff, and just psychologically, when you're in the booth. Mm-hmm. And you, or you get signed by Blue Note, and then you know the, yeah. the the scene is now watching you. You know, like U.S. Smalls and Cats is like, oh, this cat signed with Blue Note, bro. Not, the yeah. el, the yeah, elders, yeah. the elders are around, and mm-hmm. they, yeah. what's that like psychologically, on the bandstand?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, man, it, it was funny. I uh, so remember we were talking about. I, I just moved to Clinton Hill, and uh, Kenny Washington lives a, around here, and um, like maybe maybe, like, first couple of weeks of me moving, uh, I was going to the hardware store, and uh, I was actually, I was with Joel and Craig Weinrib. Uh, Craig lives around here, too, and so I was I was walking, and um, we're right outside the hardware store, and I run into K-Wash, and I'm like, hey, and I studied with K-Wash at Juilliard, and um, he saw me, and first thing he was like, he was like, Hey man, so you uh you signed the Blue Note now, huh? <laughs> 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 and I'm just like, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, K wash has always always given me a lot of flack uh, in our lessons. He would he would he would rip me apart, but in a great way. In a great, I loved it. You know, what I mean, I was I was with it. Uh, and um, <laughs> it was it was funny. It was like the first thing, was like man. So, and so that was that was a a recent um a recent feeling of that pressure from, from, you know, the elders <laughs> music being like, okay, so this cat, um, and you know, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, psychologically, man, it's, I guess it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough, but I, also I, I kind of like that. I, I like the pressure, you know, I, um, I think in, in our, uh, in our professions, we are clutch, you know, if you're, if you're a good professional at what you do, you're clutch you you work well under the pressure you know what i mean if i think of like nba players it's like you know they like kd works so well dame lillard like think work so well under pressure because i mean they've been you know practicing all their lives for this um and even their mistakes are great you know what i'm saying they make great mistakes you know uh and um so yeah i mean i i think that uh, in that way I've, I've been training all my life for this and hopefully you know I can rely on that in those in those moments of intense pressure you know
0: um, bro all I'm gonna say is you left somebody out dog I'm not gonna Uh-oh. be offended this time oh, man cause it's, yeah. it's your first time on the show <laughs> oh no everybody right. knows the greatest man, player look. of all time is Kobe Bryant that's all okay, I'm okay, gonna say I'm gonna leave Kobe, it there. Co-
3: yeah no you're right you're right Kobe's clutch Kobe's clutch Kobe's clutch okay,
1: you're right you're right you're right the greatest yeah. player
3: of all time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, over Jordan though? Yeah. See uh, right, uh, I uh, might really. <laughs> <to long> have <laughs> It's it's That's an
1: okay, important an okay,
2: important, important aside too. Man, don't don't try and change Darian's mind. It's kind of it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, right. it's a waste of time. Just you know, just let him say what he has to say. And, and we can okay. all agree Jordan's yeah. probably the greatest player <laughs> in this
1: different played. It's all good. It's all good.
2: Man. <laughs> man, but you, you were talking about making like great mistakes and like man i i guess like you you how do, how does one improve the quality of their mistakes
3: um <laughs> yeah i mean you know uh the the reason why i said that was i i recently was literally like maybe an hour before uh i logged on to this um i was watching like something from house of highlights or or uh bleach report of lebron making this pass and um it was like a Crazy pat. He was like, he was going to the hoop, you know, like three men was on him, and he threw it out to Danny Green uh for a three. Um, and I was thinking about it, I'm like, there's no way that he was processing what he was doing in that moment. There's no way. There's no way, you know. Um, and what it what it gets me to think about is uh acute spatial awareness, muscle memory, you know. Um and uh, that's, like, that's stuff that uh, gets worked on, you know, in the, just, just, you know, in, in the, in the, in the gym, just normally, you know, it's like, uh, he's not, it, it, he's, and then it allows him to, like, rely on that in that moment at, as a mistake, like, you could clearly see that, like, when he passed it out, it wasn't necessarily, it looked kind of, I don't know, it looked like a mistake to me, um, but it was just like, he had such good mistakes. And I think, I think it just comes from like working on the fundamentals in the moment. I don't think there's something, I don't think it's something that you can consciously improve upon, um, as much as it is something that, uh, maybe, uh, comes with just greatness and comes from trying to be great in the pursuit of being great, you know? Um, so I try to make sure that my, my, uh, you know, when I'm practicing, there is a certain awareness. You know, I think awareness is is key for all of it. You know, it's like in that moment, um, you have to re- respond to what's given to you, regardless of whether that's basketball or or music. It's it, um, every every decision on the bandstand is a response to whatever's been given to you musically. You know, um, and you're forced to react instinctually. You know, we're, once again, we're not thinking. Just like in this conversation, we're not really thinking about what we're saying you know, it's like, it's all instinct. What I'm saying has not been, you know, I mean, I've been thinking about this, but um I'm improvising it, it, you know, in with language right now. So it's, 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 for me, it's that kind of same thing. It's like, what, when you're forced to perform, it, you're relying on, on instinct, you know? So uh, for me, I think, um, I think that's, that's how you improve your mistakes is you just get in the shed and, and deal with awareness and, and, have that acute awareness whether that's spatially whether that's musically audibly um whatever you
0: know mm. yeah i think that's something that greg in, in the may that people now can really relate to that maybe before they had a a hard time understanding like how we improvise especially with coronavirus happening because we all had to do that is like oh <laughs> shit okay now how do we pivot our entire life to fit into this new box mm. and mm-hmm. that's yeah. that's that's basically you don't Thing. It's not like, okay, man, it's like A flat, major, seven. I'm like, oh, oh he's playing a polyrhythm. That's not how you just kind of react and let it flow, you know? And yeah. that's, that's how life, that's the spirit of life, I think. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the spirit yeah. of, if some people call it God or the universe or Allah yeah. or Bambi, whatever you call it. That's what Bambi. Bambi. Man, what church do you go to, man? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Greg, there is a church for everybody out here, dog. Don't don't be discriminating against my Bambi religion. I'm staying away (laughs)
2: from that (laughs) one.
0: Man, I I, I think this is a good time for us to uh, segue and listen to one of these tunes that you sent us. Uh, What what was the name of this one again? Uh, Eulogy eulogy you got a story behind this
3: um uh man it was, it was about a girl back in high i wrote this one in high school uh and she didn't die so <laughs> okay uh, <what>?
0: <laughs> did you, you wanted to kill no, no. <laughs> it <was, laughs>
3: yeah <right here. laughs> yeah maybe yeah maybe that was it maybe i <laughs> oh
1: no <laughs> no no uh it,
3: man it was just uh yeah it's kind of about just like <laughs> this things kind of was dead and the relationship just felt like it was dead uh, <laughs> i don't know man this yeah this uh, and then I, I remember um, I was actually I was going on and on to my friend about this is when things had kind of settled down and I was going on and my on and on to my friend about everything you know all the details and he was like man it sounds like you write, like sounds like you're speaking a eulogy right now or something because I just kept it was like a run on sentence I was just I kept going on and on so the tune kind of feels like a run on sentence uh, it's kind of inspired by those like a like like a Chief Keith Jarrett quartet songs or uh, Branford does some stuff like that Paul Motion does some stuff like that where it's like rubato ballads but like uh, kind of uh, rush through them or um, you know with a lot of momentum um, so yeah
0: alright so y- y'all heard it here first man he didn't kill it but the name of the song yeah, I ain't is, oh, it. man. it's a eulogy <laughs> it's for the relationship right. Eulogy. Yeah, there you go right. yeah. I killed that relationship that's right <laughs> dig it eulogy here we go Y'all already know I can't let y'all hear it all. Y'all got to go buy this record. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Man, wow. That first of all, that was beautiful, man. And, and even th- though you killed this girl, I could tell you loved her. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs>
2: Oh my gosh!
0: Uh,
3: not me being a murderer.
2: <laughs> this, is, this is this is how problems start. This is going to end up in tw- yeah, right twenty there. years coming out. Someone's going down for this.
3: See now if she now if she go missing or something. It's going it's going, it's going to fall off. <laughs> like man, maybe he killed her. Right.
0: No, nah, this is terrible. This is no, mean.
3: no, he,
0: he did. For the record,
2: he
3: did not kill her. For the record. Like... She is not dead. She is not dead. <laughs> she is not dead. Matter of fact, she's on here right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: right. Yo, man, when you were when you were describing the tune before playing it, you, you had mentioned like a Bradford type rubato ballad or um, Paul Motion, Keith Jarrett. And man, I, it's funny because like, as we're listening to that, I'm like, man, that's exactly what it is. Like, I'm like hearing Branford playing a tune very similar to this. Or, and, and I'm wondering, like, how, how, uh, do you, do, when you write music, are do you have like a, are you, did you hear a, like one of Branford's tunes? You're like, man, I want to write a song like kind of in this style. Or how do you feel about like emulating other artists' compositions and, and how do you make that your own?
3: Yeah. I mean, uh, I think, uh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it really comes from I, I look at certain songs that have some sort of strong aesthetic, usually as rhythmically, you know, whether that's like a certain rhythm or it's uh, in this case, the absence of, you know, the lack thereof. Uh, um, yeah. I, I guess, yeah, I, I try to, I, I do pick out songs that, do something and I try to do that thing, but I isolate the thing from the sound. You know what I mean? Um, and so it allows me to still create using my own voice um, and using systems that I've been working on for myself and apply those to a general atmosphere that maybe I haven't lived in before. You know. Uh, so in this case it's the rubato ballad and I've I've wrote maybe I maybe about four or five now uh in that kind of style and um there's other certain things that I recognize like in in other in other people's writing that I, I try to glean from it's usually but it usually comes from rhythm um mostly or like I don't know, something, something rhythmic, you know, uh, something, I feel like that kind of lends itself to the form of, of pieces, you know, uh, but usually it usually has to do with like skeletal situations. And then I can, uh, kind of put put my harmonic ideas in there and, and melodic ideas in there, but it's usually form is, is what I glean from a lot. And it, it allows me to kind of, um, uh, I guess it allows me to steal without make it, without it sounding like I'm stealing, you know.
2: Uh, <laughs> That's like that that quote: "Amateurs borrow and, and artists steal."
3: <laughs> Boom! Yeah, exactly, exactly. You you gotta take it, take it. Yeah,
0: I, I'm curious, man, because this this particular song uh, was inspired by some some actual life that you that you lived, right? Are you that yeah. type of composer that is informed by your experiences?
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, for sure. Um, I think that, I mean, this whole record is, uh, loosely based off of, um, um, kind of black identity, um, and all of, all of the things that, that may entail. So, uh, this is just kind of about, um, you know, somewhat of a situation that was, uh, sublime in a lot of ways and then also uh you know was, was kind of whack in some ways um a lot uh, you know some other tunes on the record are about you know things that were going on uh in my life like one tune is about uh ferguson the 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 issues that were, were happening in ferguson uh surrounding michael brown's killing um and then another tune warriors is kind of just about Uh, My friends, my family, just, you know, people who are around me that are, you know, strong people and uh, got that together, Um, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm informed by all of that. And I think it all kind of fed into this idea of that, like, kind of grotesque and um, sublime uh, kind of duality that I think is really interesting Um, and juxtaposing the two. Like right up against each other is how I I imagine Black life looks. You know, Black life looks like uh, like a double lens. Uh, like if if you got a black lens and a white lens, then you get a grayscale. So we see everything in grayscale. We see the that combination of you know uh, really beautiful things. I think of like Dave Chappelle or or Black Twitter or Black TikTok or any you know like or like this crate challenge that's going on. Like you know what I mean, like. <laughs> Any of that is, is like super, you know what Wait, I mean? Wait, like what is the crate
2: challenge?
0: Of, yeah, don't, man. the crate challenge is dumb. I'm I'm not a supporter, it's, it's dumb. dumb. I just saw a 400 pound dude fall off of a pile of crates and like I, <laughs> 10 minutes before you we, we got on here and I was like, oh, this is hilarious, yeah. man. But
3: yeah, yo, some, man, I'm convinced the FBI dropped those in the black community. <laughs> Them crates. Bro, no, nah, I, saw, I saw a tweet about that. Man. What? No, but like, oh, Man, I'm I'm really I'm just, I'm super interested in uh it's it's always Black Twitter that that jumps off first any any time there's any sort of catastrophe or anything that's going on I'm fascinated with how Black people uh like their first instinct is to spin it to laughter you know uh spin it to, you know and, and 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 not in a way that's like it's not like self-deprecation or any sort of like it's not that type of humor but it's like I don't know. It's something different. It's something different, but we're able to kind of um, find find some sort of positivity in the sorrow, you know, like joy in sorrow. Um, and I think that's something central to black life is something essential to like black, go- like gospel music, black church is essential to, um, you know, a comedy, uh, and, you know, all of them, you know, I'm, I, I think, I think that that's, that's, that's what really fascinates me. It's like that, that kind of, uh, it's it, for me, it's like salted caramel, or uh, it's like one of those complex, you know what I mean? It's like a really complex uh, thing that is so rewarding. It's like, why do you put salt on something that's sweet? What does it, like, That that taste profile is so complex, you know what I mean? Like, i want to make stuff like as that. as you're
2: saying that it's like almost like the contradiction is what makes it work you know again like what would you say kind of with mm-hmm. like the the unspeakable horrors and trauma that people have gone through and it turns into something that's completely resembles the opposite of that too you know comedy mm-hmm. <laughs> or or music yeah. or dance yeah. or whatever it's it's it, that might be the only way to to express those things
3: well man it's, it's also yeah it's like a. uh I'm just I, I find it really beautiful, like the resilience um that black people have just in the in the face of these crazy things. It's 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 a miracle to me, you know. And it's also uh I think it's super experimental, you know, and I think it gives uh I think that's what lays the platform for a lot of uh the avant-garde or the abstraction or the free uhness of you know, any of what we do, whether that's, you know, improvising just at a baseline level, whether that's improvising on a tune, free improvisation, any of that. I think that it's actually a response of the fact that bringing us over here was experimental. So our response to that in and of itself is going to be more experimental, you know? Um, yeah. I don't know. I could, I could ramble. On, man, on, on
2: we, that. No, I, th- I think we should stay on it because <laughs> man, as I was reading your bio earlier this week, there was, you, you were, one of your tracks is called uh, Mary Turner. Uh, an American tradition, yeah. and I was kind of reading into her story and things like that, and and uh, man, I don't know if you wanted to share kind of how you wrote that tune and what her story is, but that, that's a pretty powerful, powerful thing right there that I read.
3: Man, uh, yeah, I mean, it, bro, it was crazy because uh, I, I I guess it 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 first sparked it came across my my uh, just my consciousness from uh, the Michael Brown kid I was I was just. Uh, uh, I remember that happened when i was in high school i think it was like 2015 or something um and uh i was just kind of fascinated with just uh well not fascinated with it but i did some research on some lynchings after that because i was like man you know uh why why do i feel like i felt like i was carrying more than just the burden of michael brown what, like when he because that i mean that was like the first big one for me like i wasn't really around for uh, for the la riots or or uh you know any, any of that, Walter Scott or, or um, any of those folks. So uh, uh, Michael Brown was like the first one for my generation of like seeing like a, a, you know a big uprising you know riots uh, you know people getting out in the streets protesting um, and somebody in, in my age group you know close to my age being killed. So um, I did some research on. I was just like man like why is it that black people, people feel like why do I feel the Walter Scotts? Why do I feel these other folk, um, you know, uh, in this moment? And so I uh, I did some research and I found uh, the story of Mary Turner who got lynched. She was um, I think she was like protesting her husband's uh, lynching. I think he he was getting lynched and, and she spoke out against it. And she was pregnant at the time. She was young. She was like 21, I think. Uh, she spoke out about it. And then so she then got lynched. Uh, they, they cut the baby, it's a really out one. It's like they cut the, it's one of the more horrific ones that I've, I've read, but, you know, they cut the baby out um, and lynched her and the baby. And um, it just, I mean, it got me thinking, it was like, okay, like, I think the correlation uh, that I was kind of trying to make was that it's there's some sort of generational trauma that happens um, with each one year by year you know um even though we don't know about you know the stories of mary turner or whoever you know um somehow we still feel that in the moment when like a trayvon gets killed or 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 Tamir rice gets you know i mean we still feel that
0: absolutely those ones and i think that's the piece that a lot of times uh mainstream america they're confused. Like, why are y'all so mad about this one guy, man? Like, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not genocide. It's not, and you're like, no, well, yeah. we got like 300 years. This happens. <laughs> it's, you know, so it's, mm. it's kind of, it, it, it's deeper than just Trayvon. It's deeper than just one person. You know? And uh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the rough part. And, and all the while, we have to live on as if Trayvon and everyone before and after him uh, didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. that's that's the deep part that that we gotta deal with but you hear it in your music and I think you hear it you taste it in the food we cook and also it's a part of the American story and no matter if people want to erase it or whatever, it's a part of the story so we all gotta embrace that and, and take responsibility for our parts or our ancestors' parts for that matter, in my opinion (laughs)
3: <laughs> oh yeah, man. I mean, uh, uh, this cat, Arthur J. Fla, he's, he's like a great, um, I mean, uh, great thinker. He's also a filmmaker. Uh, he, he has a, uh, I'll quote him. He he always talks about, uh, one of the responsibilities that we have is to mine the ruins. You know, we have to go back and and as, as, uh, traumatic as it may be, it's our responsibility to mine the ruins and, and, uh, Look, through, look through these, you know, uh, because there is some truth there, and there's some uh, there's some real, real stuff there that uh, can be beneficial, as, as tough as it may be.
2: You know? but that's the only way you can move forward from, like, from 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 anything, you know. It's like again, like you know, maybe bringing it back to music too. It's like listening to the tape, like it's just what it was, and and sometimes you have to objectively just see things for what they were in order to move forward. However, it needs yeah. to move from yeah. that point. And if you pretend like it didn't happen. You you just yeah. sound the same the rest of your life. Revisionist history, revisionist history, man. Yep. You know, I, I love revisionist yep. history.
0: When I was fifteen, man, you know, I sounded just like Tony oh. Williams, man. But you know. I- <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: man. <laughs> Yo, can I make uh, this? This is a maybe a little bit off topic, but man, I know you studied over at Juilliard. And I was I was mm-hmm. wondering, man, like how what 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 was your experience like studying with Winton, and and maybe more specifically, I know Winton gets pinned into this little corner of being a uh, some cat who's like all about the tradition and stuff, and so I, you know, it's it's yeah. hearing your music. I was wondering, like, um, how how he contributed to your growth, especially like since you seem to be coming out of maybe a, a different um, concept of music.
3: Yeah, man, you know. Uh... I uh well, you know, it's really interesting. Like when, when I first got to Juilliard, uh Winton took me out on the road a little bit uh with the septet. And um we had some interesting conversations just on the road about it. Uh well, first of all, let me preface this by saying that Winton is responsible for me getting uh super into Ornette Coleman. He was the one who really said, like, man, you need to um, you really need to get behind what Ornette was doing. Uh, he also um, he didn't know that I, I um, spent some time with Steve Coleman back in the day, but he, he also was like, man, Steve Coleman's a bad dude. You need to check out what Steve Coleman's doing as well. So he, he definitely has some sort of, uh you know, he's, he's not as, he's not as, you know, he's uh, definitely not as particular as people think um, yet. I do think he is. I, I think he has a particular taste, but I think everybody has a particular taste. Uh, and I think that's, that's what's great about it. I mean, I, yeah, I think I got a particular taste, and you like who you like, you know. Um, and but it was it was definitely I, I like to I like to calm those rumors always at the, at the beginning of of anything I speak about when because he you know as as much as he gets pigeonholed into the you know the the traditional thing he he definitely gives it up to uh, to folks that he he digs regardless of of time. Uh, but with that being said um, we were on the road and we, we, we got into some, we got into some, some real, like real long lasting conversations about, uh, you know, what, what was going on now and, uh, you know, how, how, you know, basically most, most people nowadays ain't, ain't really playing nothing, nothing worth it. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, it's, it's cool. And I mean, you know, I, I appreciate that. And over time it was it was really interesting, and I hope he doesn't kill me for saying this, but over time, I've actually witnessed him uh even grow himself in in that like like maybe recently like maybe uh as of maybe a year or two ago talking with him uh our conversations are more of like man, I don't know enough about this to speak on it, and so I need to do. The homework in order for me to have an intelligent decision and that for me was like i mean that's but that's always how how witten has been you know he's always had that sort of um you know uh my, you know great mind and and he's a he's a smart man so he he understands that you know um and that was really inspiring for me because a lot of the time uh that's that's what i was doing and uh I I think we all do that to a, to a certain extent, and so it actually would would cut our conversations short sometimes because it would be like you know no we can't speak on this yet I need to do some homework I need to I need to come back to you with an informed decision or or an informed opinion on on what's going on now uh, or whatever you know so um, that was really inspiring but I mean look man Winton uh, has has helped me and continuously helps me. Um, to this day, I am also i I'd say uh, I mean I I hate I hate any type of you know uh, label. But um, I'm a traditionalist to to modern people, and I'm a modernist to traditional. <laughs> people. You know, I'm I want to live right in that middle. I love that, that middle area. Uh, you know, and I'm always fighting the other person's battles. You know, so when I'm when I was talking to Wenton on the road, like I was fighting the modern jazz battle, and then when I was <laughs> when I would go back home to, you know, Joe Ross, I'd be fighting the traditionalist battles. (laughs) You know what I mean? So um, it was always, for me, it's like that, that was the most beneficial and the actual key to really learning, you know, is, is understanding both sides. I don't want to get into political talk, you know, but, (laughs) but you know what I mean? Like the, the key to really getting to that higher level is understanding the, the flaws in, in both realms. And then, figuring out your own you know your own thing with that you know yeah um,
0: I, I like that yeah. answer man I'm, I'ma just uh, I, so we, got, so we got a really good question in the comments here that I, that I want to bring up to you but uh I just want to say one thing yeah. about Juilliard I don't know how you like the only motherfucker that went to Juilliard and didn't get fucked up I'ma just leave it right there I am going to just man. leave it right there <laughs> I
3: know I know I know
0: <laughs> but uh Evan, Evan Christopher know, wrote, a, wrote a dope question in the comments and maybe you see it on my screen here but uh he wants to know about this. You, I guess you did a CMA project with Samora Pendehues. and, and yeah, so he, he's yeah. just kind of curious about that project and kind of wants to know like what, do you, how do you feel about it and writing grants and music and this and that.
3: Uh, well, I'll first, I'll first say that you y'all gotta ask Samora, Evan, you gotta ask Samora. Samora is the king of grants, and that's not me. Uh, I wish, I wish I could, but I'm really thankful when I get them. <laughs> um. It, I think one of the biggest uh thing that plagues the jazz community is a lack of money. You know, um we need mo- we need money. We need money. Uh I think that I could change the world if I had unlimited access to funds. Period. You know? Um and so uh I I think that grants are essential and it's something that I look forward to really getting into and learning about um and uh you know, yeah, it's it's like, at this point, uh, you wouldn't build a shape spaceship. This cat, man.
1: <laughs> no, as you saying
3: that, oh, man, I'm just like, know, man, Bezos got all the money in
2: the world. He's fucking building yeah. a spaceship. But that's
3: what I'm saying, man. You know, like maybe, you know, maybe maybe I'll just bring everybody out the Mars, or something, man. Like, let's you know what I mean? Like, no, but you know, I, but for real, in all seriousness, though, like I have dreams that big. You know, not not saying actually, let's let's you know, I'm going to go to space, but you know. It's like uh, I have dreams that that require a lot of money, um, and so uh, I think it's essential to to you know get into organize you know get get with the grants. The grants are there for a reason, um, and so yeah, I'm I'm 100 with it. Uh, and let me let me read this question. Can you talk about how you feel about projects like that being in the domain of grants? I do think that there are some yeah there are definitely some uh, parameters that. Can uh, shift your vision with grants, um, and uh, I think also we need to make make maybe make a distinction between grants and commission work. Whereas commissions, um, there are a lot of, of stipulations. You or not a lot of stipulations, but there are. It's 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 natural for there to be stipulations on the commission, like what you need to do, what the piece needs to be about, whatever. And so sometimes what I'll do is I'll try to, you know make my thing work for this so I can get the money to, to fund a project that I was already working on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, grants usually, I don't, I feel like grants don't have always as much stipulations to it. Uh, how do we tie larger scope projects to the communities? That's what I'm trying to figure out now. Um, I think uh, it, it's important to use the money um, for good. Period. You figure out how to, like, use that money so that people don't have to pay. You know? Um, use that money to, like... I don't know. That, that's what I would do.
0: This is something that I, I can definitely chime in. Uh, yeah. I, I,
1: this, is your, <laughs> this is your back, man. I think...
0: I think <laughs> you know... I, I think about this a lot. I think musicians don't use their imaginations enough when they're writing grants. So, do other than recording your record do something else and and if you're gonna do something in the community i think the dopest thing you can do is go to an elementary school and like not once but if you get like say you get a hundred thousand dollar grant try to go back for four years in a row like and really groom those kids Mm -hmm. you know because they get to the fifth grade they saw you for like yo emmanuel man you played a saxophone i want to play the saxophone and then yeah. maybe they graduate from college and they're, they're a lawyer and they remember, Oh man, saxophone is cool. I want to support that. You know what I mean? Like that's that to me, mm. that's, I think that that's how you do it. But Evan, man, you should come on the show, babe. <laughs> <laughs> come on, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, right. Emmanuel, that, that was a beautiful answer, man. And uh, I,
3: I No, but you're, you're right. And that also makes me think about, it's just like uh the, the, You you gotta everything starts from that from that baseline level. Like elementary school is is uh man, somebody was asking me just like, well, it was a really simple question, man. It was like, well, what is the impact that uh education has on the music? And I was like, man, like everything starts at the beginning. It's like elementary school, like what what's ingrained in us? It is literally what you see, it's reflected now on the scene. So whether that's the fact that it's male dominated, the fact that it's white male dominated right now. You know what I mean? It's like, this is all indicative of there not being uh, music in inner city schools. Right. And also something happens, something happens where, you know, uh, women or, or fem identifying folk end up getting uh, marginalized or, or pushed out or, you know, some, you know, not, you know, they don't want to do it. it does, it's not a safe space for them, you know? So uh, that's just one way that, you know, things. Have a direct effect on you know when we look around and we're we're trying to you know call somebody for a gig, and it's only white males, you know what I'm saying? so it's like it's 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 all directly correlated to um that that baseline thing. so a lot of you man, you're right, it's just like a lot of what I've been thinking about in terms of community outreach has to do with young kids element at the elementary level. so like I think that's a great place to start in terms of affecting change for. Us now.
2: Yeah. You know? I guess I guess, you know, like also too to comment as an educator, you know, as by the time you hit high school, you're already your mind is already like turned to stone in so many ways or solidified. There's you know, there's so much of the subconscious and and, and just uh intangible things that you can't really you know, you can't learn. You can't get perfect pitch when you're 16. <laughs> you know, uh, that yeah. that happens by the time you're five or so. So, anyways, you know, again, with when it comes to music education, and we're starting to see this problem here in New Orleans too, where the the programs have been cut, and by the time kids are coming into ninth grade, they're entering their first year of music education, and and that's like it's too late to mm-hmm. to play. The, you know, keep the traditions going, and and I think something's like a lot of times, like cats like us, forget. Which, which obviously you, you have a great appreciation for, but man, if you're not, if we don't have those elementary school teachers, we don't have middle school band, we don't have high school band, we don't have college band, we don't have any of the music that we're playing today, and we don't have a train, we don't have you, we don't have Evan, <laughs> and so it's like, it's <laughs> yeah. no, seriously, and it starts with, with people investing in the community at, a, at the, for the elementary kids.
0: Emmanuel, yeah. man, we're getting close to the end here, man. Before we go, I definitely want to give you an opportunity to tell all the people where to buy your uh, to buy your gear, uh, bandcamp. What, what you got? Website? Lay it on us.
3: Um, yeah, man. I mean, uh, uh, my record is uh wherever you you buy music at it's what streaming platforms. If you use those things, if you want to buy it, uh. Um, then uh, it's, or Blue Note's website, bluenote.com, I think, um, or or I don't know, wherever you can hit me up, I, I'll send you some personally. I'll sign them or something. I also have uh, handwritten signed uh, sheet music off my website. Um, I don't sell just PDFs. So don't hit me for no PDFs, but <laughs> but I do have some nice bougie handwritten signed prints that you could frame. Um, oh, that's killing! So if you're looking for the, you know what I that's mean? That's cool. Because like, I, I did I I didn't want to I didn't want to just sell the charts. Like I, I put up the I had the PDF up for Warriors like when I first dropped it, and then I was like, you know what? No, like like I'm not I I'm not really interested in just giving away the intellectual property, so to speak. So if I'm going to do it, then I'm I'm gonna try to freak it out a little bit and do something that maybe can even generate some 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 more wealth over time, like maybe in, in 20 or 30 years, it, it could be worth, uh, I don't know, $40 versus, <laughs> versus, you know, maybe $10 more than, <laughs> I don't know, but you know what I mean? It's like that, that's, yeah, that's what I was thinking. But yeah, so those things are, are there. Um, I don't know, man, come, come to my gigs. That's if I have gigs, just come through. Yeah. There it is Appreciate So that.
0: so y'all we, we Every week we say the same thing It's really important for you guys To buy the, the records And the merch Directly from the artist Or the record label But if you buy it from him He gets a, a little bit Of a bigger cut So uh, Streaming yeah. records Don't We don't really give us No money So don't Don't stream it Don't stream it Don't stream it <laughs> Well you can stream it But buy it first Then stream yeah.
3: it no, but I you. <laughs> Yeah there you go Do it all Do it all do it Yeah all,
0: do it all uh, Emmanuel man Thank you so much For coming on the Working Artist Project
3: and Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah, all. it's been such a pleasure getting to right. talk to you, man. Darian. Thank you so much
2: for sharing your time with us. That's just mine. Yeah, man. It's been fun. All right, y'all. My name is Darian Douglas. Hey, and before we go, I'm going to say we're going to get you a camp when we get back in person. So, Oh, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Let's do it. Get you to Let's, do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And my name is Gregory Ajit.
0: Uh This is The Working Artist Project. Y'all, we'll catch y'all next week. Later.